0: Hey, listeners, tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. I play some groovy 60s, 70s music and talk about far-out cars. I'll bring you up to speed on some bitchin' car shows, swap meets, and vintage racing. So join me Wednesdays at 7 p.m. on the Temp Talk Radio Network, AM 1340. Listen to my interviews with special car guys, racers, builders, customizers, and collectors. We'll discuss cars, auction, values, restoration, project cars, and parts. We'll have feature cars. We'll talk about test drive reviews. And we'll include topics on boats and planes. So tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays at 7 p.m.
1: Every year, from east and west, from north and south, more people come out to see the new Chevrolet than any other car. But this year tops every other year. And no wonder, the 56 Chevrolet's motoramic styling is more beautiful than ever. In design, it's the future right now. It's packed with special features, like this concealed gasoline filler. Ultra modern rear fenders in a longer, more rakish hood. This new 56 Chevrolet looks lively and acts lively. Yes, the hot one's even hotter. You get a new kind of performance for safer, easier passing. You get 205 horsepower with a super turbo fire V8 that set a new Pike's Peak record. Chevrolet for 56 combines record-setting performance with the clean, modern lines that to sell tomorrow. You'll lose your heart to this beauty when you see it at your Chevrolet dealer's.
2: Mustang, Mach 1. Mach 1, special sports performance, sports roof, Mustang. Mach 1, something scorching to keep Mustang, the original and the front-runner, thundering along far ahead of a pack. In 1969, all the Mustangs will take their cue from this way out, but way in, wild one. With styling all new. Longer by almost four inches. That much more impressive in the long hood look that Mustang pioneered. Wider too. And lower. Marking the Mach 1 as the hottest of all Mustangs. All sorts of special excitement. Two-tone GT hood. And competition style hood lock pins. Twin color keyed racing mirrors. Exclusive Mach 1 performance striping, special high-back buckets, sports console standard, along with many more extras in the way of special trim and performance features. All of this plus a special sound insulation package. And power as big as a new 428 Cobra Jet Ram Air Induction V8 option. To make the Mach 1 the hottest car in Mustang's class. An 8 so hot performing, it comes with its own poke-through air cleaner that jumps when the engine grinds. Mustang Mach 1. Color this one Program is brought to you in living color on
1: NBC. M Squad and the Thin Man, usually seen at this time, will not be presented tonight.
2: <laughs>
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the following program is being brought to you in living color on NBC. An evening with
3: Hi. This is Barack Obama.
2: This is Joe Biden. I'm Nancy Pelosi.
1: Yeah!
0: Hey listeners, welcome and you are tuned into to Nostalgic Radio and Cars and it's our 100th show. How you doing, Bill? You are hanging in there for us?
3: No way. Is it your 100th show?
0: Yes, it was May 13th, two years ago is when we started this fantastic program. There you go. <laughs> hey, my bell's missing. But anyway, any rate, yeah, hey, and uh, you know what? I got a couple of local guys. I got my buddies, my goombas, okay? I can say that because Dom Forte of Forte's Inboard and Auto Connection sitting in here with me. Say hi, Dom. Hey, how you doing, Robert? <laughs> okay. And then, of course, John Woodhouse, another local favorite. Weighing in at 225 pounds, in this quarter, we have the Chevy guy. John Woodhouse, tough Cars Online. Come Hello, on. Robert. How
4: you doing, buddy? <laughs> how you doing? Golly, it took me what 100 shows to get on here. I've been begging for the last two years. Thank uh, you. The door has always been open for you. How you been? Well, been doing pretty good. uh Not, you know, maybe where we want to be with this economy, but you know, we have to do what we, do. we, do what we got to do. We got to do. working.
0: Absolutely. Okay, yep. so here's here's the game plan for tonight. What uh, we're all kind of local guys. Uh, John's a little older than I am Dom's a little older than I am but the cool part about it is these guys can talk about Pinellas County and what it was like to hot rod and mess around with cars back in the 50's and 60's and Dom you've been around since the 50's too right? Well, 60's? I was, bo- I was born in the 50's but, primary, well, but primarily I'd be more with the 60's Sixties, okay. Yeah. and then of course I'm a little punk so I'm 70's crowd but anyway so that's what we got going on for today. Hey let's roll that first record see if you can drop the needle in the groove there for us Billy Barack Obama, and I approve this message.
3: (laughs) If he approved him, I'm off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're back! All right, you're tuned into to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and here's what's going on tonight. So I have my friends, Dom Forte, in here, and I have John Woodhouse, now, and myself, of course, your host, Robert. Now, all three of us are in the car business, but all three of us are car guys, and all three of us have been around here since... A long time. At any rate, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what it was like to drive and hot rod and mess around with cars back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And obviously, Dom, you, you can talk about the 60s and 70s and the places you guys used to hang out. Now, since both you guys are from St. Pete, you guys can talk about the St. Pete thing because I don't. I was more or less the Clearwater crowd. So, and our big hangout. The only thing we really had was Pantry Pride and, and uh, Cordy Campbell College. <laughs> yeah. As a As a matter of fact. Dom, when the first time I met you was when you came up to Pantheon Friday
3: and you were driving your sixty nine Shelby. Yeah, well you were the upper class because we're from oh. we're from St. Pete, you know, and you were from Clearwater. That's the upper end, you know, for us. Is that what so, it was? Oh yeah, yeah. Was it proceeding? We'd that have way? to go through Pinellas Park, you know, just to come see you guys, you know. Oh Pinellas <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a dip in the road. <laughs> yeah Oh well, yeah, it was uh, you know. So did, but, uh, did they ever hear it called Pineapple Park? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Pineapple Park, yeah.
3: Penniless Park, uh, yeah. PP Park. Yep, you just, you go through there, and you could check out all the cars on, you know, concrete blocks and stuff that were being Well, we used
4: on. to lock our doors when we go through Pinellas Park. You know, we'd roll up the windows and lock our doors. So we, <laughs> we used to <laughs> be very cautious going through there because I was raised in St. Pete and Gulfport area. And um, we we just, uh, when we drive up through there, go to Hardy's Drive-In, and we'd, we'd hang out up there and race out there in Park Boulevard. and um, But we used to be real cautious mm-hmm. with the types of people that would uh, end up showing up at the drive-in up there. In Pinellas Park. Yeah, in bad. Pinellas Park, yeah. <laughs> but I feel uncomfortable here with you Ford guys. You know, I'm a GM guy. I've got bow tie t-
3: tattooed on my forehead and um I you guys, is this
4: going to be a ford show tonight or can we talk gm well th- well,
3: let's, well, let's clarify something i'm an american muscle car guy i like all american muscle Well, cars. i already
4: heard shelby out of you first yeah, of your yeah but
3: i've had corvettes and i've had <laughs> oh, dodges oh, I've oh had, then
4: you're one of us Oh, i've
3: had a little of everything you you're know? one of the uh
4: guys are driving vehicles that um uh, our government bought a gm product not anymore okay uh, because the respect I have for Ford was that they weren't sold out. Exactly. That was great. I so agree. I have a lot more respect for you, Ford guys, than I've ever had, really.
0: Well, well, keep in mind, too, now that the, 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 GM didn't get tainted until within the last couple of years. Prior to that, back in you know, because Dom's had some Chevrolets, you've always been a Chevrolet oh, guy, and I had heartbeat. a few Chevrolets. I had a, the Camaro, remember the Rat? Oh yeah, yeah! And then I had the I had a '71 Corvette, a couple yeah. of those. So you know, I so I, I I'm like Dom. I like all American cars. Yeah, my blood. I'm probably Ford blue, and I'm partial to Ford. You are just like Dom's probably that, partial to Ford. That and you blue oval Chev- all over your face it's, right now. It's a, that's exactly yeah, right. So. But but we're all here about cars and that's what we want to talk about so as a matter of fact the only guy we didn't get in here for you would have been Frank Bell because oh, we want to talk about the good old days when Frank you guys used to street race
4: yeah he was a he was an iconic racer he was a loner type guy I'd show up when you least expected it uh, he hang out Pinnells up uh, Park?
2: Park. Uh, he <laughs> he's from out clear out clear he's yeah. clear he's Clearwater. He's from Clearwater. right.
4: And uh, we'd see him up at Hardee's, and, and uh, we would race him out there in Park Boulevard. We'd go out in Bryonderry Road, race out by the old GE plant. And Frank would come out there with that, that pretty red 55 Chevy that had that, <clears throat> excuse me, Buick in it. <laughs> uh, I had to go Chevy all the way. I never changed motors. Mike Reed had a Pontiac in his 55 Chevy. And guys were putting Cadillacs in them, and I thought, what, what, how disrespectful to do that to a GM product, which they put GM Motors in at least. But um, Frank was uh, quite a street racer, and um, we had some, we had some good stories to tell. Uh, we had a, quite a few of Pinellas Park police that had an issue with trying to catch our cars. So that's one thing that we used to do as a sheriff, and Pinellas Park police had a real issue of trying to catch. Those Chevrolet's. <laughs>
3: now, well, Dunn, they, well, they probably only had one Cruiser back then, too. They had two. Oh. Yeah,
4: yeah. And the two that was always following us out of Hardee's, it seemed like. Yeah. Now, Don, yeah. did you do any street racing back
0: then?
3: Um, a little, but primarily most of street racing was done by my brother. He's, he's about nine years older than I am, and um, that's actually what got him in the business he's in, which is Turbo Action Racing Transmissions, because... Uh, used to burn up the Power Glide in his 55 Chevy all the time, and uh, my dad would rebuild it, and he did it about three times, and my dad said, you better learn how to build automatics because I'm not doing it anymore, and that's what got him in the automatic transmission business.
0: Now, so. Turbo Action, which is a well-known company, it's based out of Jacksonville, Florida, right? Correct. Now, it basically competes with uh, B&M transmission because everybody's familiar with B&M, but they're yeah. also familiar with Turbo Action.
3: Oh, yeah. Turbo Action's been around, like I said, since 68, and um, my brother established a really good business, and he was the first company to come out with the shift kits in the day um well tell us a little bit about your background because you were
0: always in the cars but your dad was <laughs> in the cars your brother's in the cars and you're still in the cars you got a shop right tell yeah us about we that. Uh,
3: my dad started the business in 1956 and um it was 40s auto repair We're now 40s auto repair and auto and, and inboard connection um and uh we do full restorations in that on mostly you know american muscle um, and, uh, like I said, I, uh, got into the cars because of my dad. I grew up in the shop. Our actual first shop was on 23rd street and first Avenue North in St. Pete. And, um, we grew up in a standard oil gas station and that's where we had a bedroom there. My brother and I had bunk beds and every morning we got up and worked on cars pretty much. So. Wow. Now, John, you brought, you're also in the car business
0: now, but you didn't start out in the car business. Actually you no. started... Pimping cars at one of the Chevrolet dealerships around right yep, here. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, the old Quinlan Chevrolet up there. Um, I uh, got out of school and and uh, always had to work. I think my dad taught me how to uh, go out and make a living when I was fourteen. Live at home, you can't live at home for free. But my dad was a preacher, and um, we moved out of the north to move to Florida in the Gulfport area, just for our family to be in a warm climate area where we got all the snow up there. And um, thank God because the weather's been great. And um, the south side of St. Pete, I could tell you every back road, every uh, front road, everywhere, and every cop down there. Uh, moving into the Gulfport area, of course, uh, Mike Yakes, which has been the mayor down for 30 years, he and I grew up together. Well, at 14, I got my first um, car. <laughs> I hate to say it. I, my first three cars, four cars, are Fords. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't uh, like saying that, but, we, <laughs> but at least the ford got us around back I, then. You're but, choking a little yeah, bit. Don. Yeah, <laughs> but, but really, though, um, we uh, hung out in the back roads of uh, Golfport and um, South St. Pete. and uh, But I got into cars when— before we moved to Florida, when I was a young boy, uh, my dad had a church on the main street up in uh, Batavia, New York. And I I used to sit on the front porch and look at all the cars go by, and I could name. I'd make a practice of name and the type, the year of every car went by. And I always had it was always a car guy. And every trike or every toy that my dad got me, it always come apart. And everything mechanical, lawnmowers, I'd always start taking them apart. They'd run. When I'd start taking them apart, but I always had to... So I always had a mechanical, always had a car thing in my soul. Mm-hmm. So um, when uh, we got here to Florida, and uh, we um, at 14, my dad was on the road a lot. Well, I couldn't talk him into anything in cars, but I could talk to my mom. She was so good to me. She allowed me to buy a 38 Ford when I was 14 years old. And Mike Yakes and I used to terrorize golf port in that car at 14, I'd sit on a pillow, we put blocks on the pedals, and I had a little floor shift in that, a little V860 in it, and um, that was my first car, but we had, uh, well, there's a long story behind a lot of the things we used to do, <laughs> and it's all legal, in today's terms, it'd probably be illegal, but it was legal then, and um, so we enjoyed uh, street racing, and that's how I started um getting in the cars by uh, taking a one-owner 38-4 that some old guy had. That um, The first day I had it, the side panels came off for the engine so you could see the engine, and, and Honest Trolley was good to me. <laughs> I was ordering stuff from them every – and then remember Montgomery Wards there in yep, the Central Plaza? Yep. Well, they, they got a um, – they used to deal uh, with Honest Trolley parts, And so I'd go up there and order my parts, and of course the rest is history. But um, been car crazy ever since.
0: All right, fast forward to today. So now you have a business, and you have two companies: you have Classic Car Company and Cop Cars Online, which I've mentioned both Forte's Inboard and Auto Connection and Cop Cars Online, because both these guys are my friends. We talk about so basically a classic. Cars you buy and sell classic cars, but cop cars online is where you deal with the uh, squad cars. So tell us about that for a second.
4: Yeah, the classic automobile company got started back in the um, probably early '80s. Uh, I had a good friend out of Germany that <clears throat> the Germans love American classics, and uh, of course, lots over here love the the classic German cars. But anyhow, he came over. <clears throat> he used to come over, and uh he couldn't stay over here. But he'd come over three times a year, and, and he was a uh, quite a wealthy guy, but he had a lot of friends over there that, that um, loved American classics, as I said. And um, he used to um, not know where to find them, where to go get them. So I started the classic automobile business from that venture of brokering cars to Germany through this uh, uh, German friend. And he would get me the list of what they were looking for, all kinds, Ford, mm. Chevys, Pontiacs, Buicks, a lot of Cadillacs. And he'd give me the list. I'd find them. I'd appraise them. And I would tell them what I could buy them for. I'd put a brokerage fee in it. He would go over there, tell them, you know, what I found. And, and we'd send them pictures. We'd, we used to send them the old photo type, You know, the old, you know, he put a, uh, we had the, um, old, the old, uh, cameras, the instant camera. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we'd send them photo. But anyhow... Um, Polaroids. Yeah, that's how the classic automobile business got started. And I had a large collection of cars I've been collecting since the latter 70s. And um, buying them right, buying them out of yards, buying them out of barns, going to Georgia, find them. So we uh, basically um, uh, started that business through that, and I become a licensed dealer. And then as things got, you know, we had a couple recessions, things slowed down in Germany, and then we started – Um, looking into other ways to make money with the classic business. And I started selling some of my classics and collection off. And we bought my son a a used police car. And uh, it was an 87 or an 86 Caprice. And I had a 5.7 in it. And so from that car and the rest is history, we started buying and selling police cars, refurbishing them, And um, we've now made it into a a long-term business, 17 years of being licensed to sell police cars. And we buy them, refurbish them, sell them to departments, agencies, sell them to individuals, but we sell them all over the United States. We sell them and we've sent cars to Germany, to Alaska, Hawaii, California. It's unbelievable where we've sent cars, but it's become a pretty uh, good business. Of course, the budgets are a little tight right now because of this, well, this guy run the country. Has, has created some issues with a lot of these, these agencies because of the monies they're allowed to spend for these used police cars. But that's mostly what we did. We've whittled down the classic car collection. We don't have uh, but about seven left. But we have a museum with uh, older police cars that we've got. There are about 30 used police cars. They're authentic. They're not clones, and they're from different agencies. We got them from Nevada, from California, from uh, Kansas. We've got them from uh, uh, Florida. We've gone from Texas, and uh, we got that museum there. Plus uh, my classics. Plus we have a, um, uh, a. It's Robert's car, but it's sitting up there on my rack. <laughs> this pontiac race car is an old nascar that rusty walls supposedly drove in his rookie year but we've got um some neat stuff i got pro stock uh nova with a blower motor and and so we got the toys and and um we we could sit here and i could talk all night about what we have (laughs) but dom's probably got some cars he'd like to talk about okay well
3: actually all i wanted to mention was earlier on he said he grew up uh Driving Fords, and actually, <laughs> I learned how to drive in a '55 Chevy. And my first car was my dad's '65 Al Camino, 327, 300 oh. horse, four speed, bucket seats. It was like a oh. super sports Cheve- Chevelle, yeah. but it was an Al Camino. Mm-hmm. And I ended up owning Fords, so we kind of reverse roles yeah. here. You know, well, that, that funny? I, I have, well, we
4: talk about Al Caminos '65. Uh, Robert seen the '66 I had. It was a very rare model. It had the three twenty seven and the two seventy five horsepower bucket seats console with the four speed in yes. it with the posse and it had the beanies on it. It was all original. It was a frame off car, been redone. My son in the bed of that car, we found it up in the Carolinas in a barn. And um my son spent about three months in the bed of that car sanding <laughs> and 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 massaging that uh you know the bed and that yeah. Camille. but you talking about 65s the 66s and 7s, we love those years yeah
3: the 65 i loved it was a real pretty car it was that teal oh yeah and it had it had the clock on the center dash it looked like a tachometer mm-hmm. and like i said it was it was a four-speed bucket seat car and everything the only problem yeah. we had with it was the plastic moldings all disintegrated oh yeah and uh but well, the, this car had the factory
4: good. tack, the factory yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, gauges and all in it. I mean, they weren't not the the lighted ones. They were the, actually, gauges. And um, Robert had seen this car, and it had won every show it went to. It took first. And uh, a guy out California bought it out there. They had a collection of El Caminos. I didn't even have the car for sale. And one day, he's seen, he seen us on the Internet on our police car business, and he's seen the El Camino in the background. And he called on the Al Camino, and it was a car that I never wanted to sell. I had uh, built it to, to, uh, to keep it in my collection for a long time. But when they say the economy had just changed two years ago, three years ago, and um, the guy said, well, look, I've got a checkbook here. I'm, I'll fill the checkout. Tell me what you want for it. I said,
3: well, <laughs> <you> <laughs>
4: yeah. know, I don't want anything for it. I want to keep it. Well, of course, you know yeah uh, what walks and what yep, talks yep, yep. well <clears throat> the checkbook talk <laughs> and i hit him with a number and and he wrote the check for the number i hit him with and i thought the guy was gonna just not that the car wasn't worth it but it was just i thought the guy would just laugh and blow me off but but um the check was uh, overnighted to me and car went to california and, and closed all her with guys with gloves on and with a with one of those feather dusters, yeah. as he's putting it, when he put it in there, hands off type of deal. So, um, but got, anyhow, we've, we've it, got all those it, stories. That's interesting. I've Got to go yeah. home.
0: That, that reminds me of a story that you had that '69 Shelby that belonged to Wayne that yep. we wow. that everybody changed for a long chased for a long time, and that was the one that I wanted from you. And then yep. one day you called me up looking for some parts, and then I, and I rattler cage every once in a while about the '69, and, and the same situation happened. Guy walks in, the car wasn't for sale. Yep. And I really wanted this car. I really—it was a '69 GT350 wow. four-speed air black car, Jade. black, very rare color. Yep. And then I called Dom, and he kind of hesitates on the phone. He goes, um, well, "I sold it." And my—I just—you know how you get that gulp.
3: Mm-hmm. So anyway, but the same thing. Guy was standing there, and tell us the story. Uh just uh, he just happened to come by. I was working on uh, another '67 Shelby at the time, and and um, he back—he's back there, and it was on the rotisserie. And he says, "What's that?" I said, "69 GT350." And I said, I've had it for quite some years and knew all the history from the owners. Yeah. And um, I said, I'm just, you know, I'm going to restore it someday. I just don't know when. And uh, he said, well, if you were going to sell it, what would you want for it? Well, it was all a basket case at that time. And, of course, the Shelbys hadn't really skyrocketed yet. And I said, oh, $8,000 would take it, you know. And he said, okay. Yeah. And I was like. Oh, man, I wasn't really planning on just like you were saying. It's, I, a, you know. it's that sick feeling. Yeah, I, I know, know what that feeling is. And now I could kick myself. I should yeah. have kept it. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I'm kicking myself because I wanted that car. Yeah. I've chased that car for yeah. 30 years. Well, we used to chase cars all around town that we <laughs> would see, you know, yeah. and you'd, you'd go to people and say, you know, if you're ever going to sell that, mm-hmm. you never see it, you know. and mm-hmm. and. Uh,
4: I got a little 55 Pontiac. Uh, Robert's seen it. It's in my collection. <clears throat> my dad used to buy Pontiacs, bought them from Water and uh, Pontiac Pontiac. down yep. there. that's where my dad and, worked yeah and he moved here well dick waldron down yep. there Dick he and we're going to get into the story of my 49 ford my b gasser yep. that dick landyke was their head mechanic down there and my dad made good friends with uh uh dick waldron and the A son senior or junior
3: senior senior okay yeah my dad yep. and
4: him were very close yes. they were both
3: religious and so was my dad and, that, they were, he loved them
4: yeah and my dad would buy all new pontiacs yep. down there so I drove out. I drove out. I rode out with my dad in a brand-new 53 Pontiac, a 54, 55, 56, 50. He missed a 57, which that was a, like the 57 Chevy. That was a pretty one. Yeah. And then he, he got a, a, a 59, and it was a four-door yellow hardtop. But anyhow, point being is I remember riding out of Walder in a 55 Pontiac with this older couple in Pinellas Park again. They had one, or they died. And the family didn't want the car. I'm going to make this real short. And it was a one-owner car. And from what the family told me, they don't think the car's ever been out of Pinellas County. And it's all original miles on it. Well, the and that story is it came off the frame and it was redone. And um, it's, a, it's, been, it's won every show it's gone to. And it's black and silver. But I keep that car and sold 25 other cars because of remembering driving out of Walter and and you
3: knowing them down there on 9th Street, well, right across from yeah. Ross
4: Chevrolet. Well, all the,
3: all the big dealerships were downtown. You had Grant yeah. Ford was on 9th right and Southside, Nichols Rubel, Brothers, American Motors. Remember
4: Rubel yep. Smith, the Chrysler uh, Dodge Plymouth dealer?
3: Yep. Yeah. Well, Dick Winning, Chrysler Plymouth Winning. was on Central. Yeah, they're on Central. In 64, they had this, mm-hmm. the turbine car there. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. we they fired up the jet engine there in the uh, showroom. Exactly. Uh, in the showroom? A, yeah, yeah. It was neat.
4: But that was downtown St. Pete. Pete. It wasn't out where Central no. Plaza is today. That was nothing out there. That was where we went That's down to buy our cars, right the there on 9th Street. Well, and you, you could walk to dealership to dealership.
3: Well, back in the day, what I always loved as a kid was they made a big deal about the new cars coming out. They would put the curtains up at Walton Pontiac and close yeah. it off so you couldn't see in the right. showroom. Then they'd they'd put all the new cars in the showroom, and they'd have a big, grand opening display. And they had, like, a 37 Pontiac that would be out front on display. That was
4: his—that car he it's brand new.
3: Yeah, and and they had an uh, Indian—would be out there in the the Indian headdress and everything. And then they'd, you know, bring open the curtains, and you'd see the new Pontiac. Well, you
4: remember when they'd bring the cars in on the hauler from the factory, they covered them. Yeah. You could never see what the new cars looked like. They would cover them and keep them covered. Until that model was, was out Wasn't for unveiled. display, right. and then they'd put it in the showroom and uncover them. You would never see them on the haulers. they no. always cover them. And, um, and they never brought them by rail. They brought them by uh, truck. And it was so funny because we we would travel a lot, being with my dad, being on the road a lot, and we would see these cars, haulers coming down, and these cars, you could see them all covered. You would never yeah. know what was under them, and they'd be under a canvas. And um, but you're right. Walden they used to cover them up in the back. Right. It was and then you bring them out.
3: It was so much fun to go down there Mm -hmm. uh, to all the dealers. They also used to make a big deal. They really did. And um, it was just when they had the Chrysler
0: turbine there and they fired that up. What was what was the story? What was the big hoopla? What was that
3: moment like? Well, the gas turbine engines they've been working on since the Mm -hmm. 50s. They had the Firebirds from General Mm -hmm. Motors, and then Chrysler had been working on them also, and. Um, the thing looked like a Thunderbird, like a 61 to 63 T-Bird. And um, they were, you know, testing the the waters to see Mm -hmm. if it would be a a big deal. And they had a – you put your name on a card and stuck it in a box there at Dick Winning, and then you got a chance to drive it for a week. um, Oh, really? Yeah, if you won the uh, – when they pulled the card out. There was a story that went around back then
0: that what they were trying to do, they were also trying to promote that car through insurance agencies or insurance companies. And what they would do is the car went around. There was a number of them. I think there was, what? Ten or fifty cars at one point. I I think there was over fifty. Yeah, they built more than fifty. And then what they did is they would circulate a number of those cars around the country. As the story goes, okay. And then if you were like a top-notch insurance uh, executive or something like that, you actually got that car for a week as well to drive around. And uh, so there's rumor has it that uh, one of those cars was in this area. So that's why when you brought that up, I'm just
3: curious whether that I couldn't tell you if that was the one or not. I just know that I just meant it was neat to be down there when they started it. You know. Now what is what was your first car? Well, actually, like I said, the Al Camino was my dad's car, and he wanted to get me out of it. And, <laughs> and like I said, I started with the Chevy, and I loved driving that thing, but I probably would have gotten in trouble with it. And um, one of the one of our old lady customers, her husband had died, and she had a '61 Falcon four door, which was a 176 owner <laughs> with three on the tree. And um, not so here I am, kind of a Chevy guy at that point. And uh, and uh, my dad says, "Well, you're going to be this is going to be your car." He paid $75 for it. And I said, "No, nah, nah, no way, I'm driving that." He says, "Well, it's either that or walk." So I'm thinking, not only am I going from this. Nice Al Camino to a Ford, but it's the cheapest Ford you can possibly get. (laughs) So my intent was to break it. And we used to go out to Terra Verde. Uh, they yep. used to call it the Goonies mm-hmm. out there, the sand, the sand, sand dunes. Sure, and, and I treated it like a jeep. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'd run the heck out of it. I actually, if you remember Thrill Hill, mm-hmm. oh which yeah, Third th- Street, yeah, down there, mm-hmm. I went over that real fast with the Falcon and pulled the yoke out of the rear end. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we we so, spun a
4: car out and about rolled it down there, all oh, coming off that hill. Everybody used to bottom go, out. You right. remember that? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah you go airborne. Mm-hmm. And um, so I ran the heck out of it, but I was getting over twenty miles per gallon, and it wouldn't. Pretty much wouldn't break i mean i you know i tried and tried so then i started getting a little respect for the little car and one thing led to another and the mustangs were out then and now so did started, it have
4: the six cylinder in or the yeah, little two huh? no the one
3: seventy six cylinder okay, okay. The three yeah. on the tree we're three yeah. the i heard yeah. that but yeah. was, yeah. that's yeah. a lot no the 170 i mean a one-legged duck, <laughs> duck could outrun it okay i mean pretty much that's, <laughs> oh, that's... what size 13 ah, inch tires oh yeah yeah the little yeah, tiny little skinny moon caps, tar, yeah. you know mm-hmm. and um i started noticing the mustangs and uh uh I saw a 65 Mustang, actually it was 64 and a half, but it was a black convertible with the Rangoon red interior, 289 two barrel automatic, and it was pretty rough. And um, I told my dad I wanted to, you know, buy that. And uh, so they said, well, you're going to have to figure a way to do it. Just like you said, your dad, you know, was teaching you how to, you know, work for a living. And uh, he said, you have to figure out how to do it on your own. And uh, so I put the Falcon for sale and actually he had paid 75 and I got 350 bucks for it. (laughs) And, you know, and I was like, "Wow, that's pretty good." You're a real entrepreneur. Then, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and, and it was only seven hundred for the Mustang, so I I scraped up the rest of the money that I had saved, and for seven hundred bucks, I bought this Mustang. So that's how I got into Mustangs at that point.
4: Well, you know, a lot of my buddies. I mean, you know, George Pills, yeah. guys, they were all Ford guys. You know, and Jimmy Powell. Um, I rode out of um, Grant Ford in a brand new '61 four hundred six black two door ford galaxy well it wasn't the, well was yeah, it, it, it was a galaxy yeah mm-hmm. but it had rubber floor mats in it the little beanies the 14 inch tires which you couldn't even keep under it and it was a four speed had 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 just the gauges in it and the ugliest gray and silver interior in it all cheapy but it was all about the motor and um i i rode out of there with jimmy powell out of uh grant ford the first day, and he roasts the tars going out of there, and I said, "Oh boy!" So <laughs> that speaking of Ford, you know, I had a lot of buddies that that had old Ford and and rode out in brand new ones. Then. And and uh, Hank McLean had uh, he he had a Ford. Matter of fact, he had that blue '57 Ford that used to drag race it. It had a 392 in it, and that what? The a I'm sorry, and uh, he and modified. And then Jimmy Powell bought that and wrapped around a tree uh, out in the beach when a, the cops were chasing him. And <laughs> then he got insurance money, which I thought was crazy. At that time you could wreck your own car and you get money enough. And he bought a brand new what uh, GE one
3: GE Gordon Lee one two three GE Gordon Lee. I remember yeah. him running. Yeah, oh yeah, Fords. Yeah, they used yeah. to run
4: Fords. So a lot of Ford buddies out there and um, um, have you know, but with Chevy guys, it was always a war. With these guys, you know, and well, if it wasn't we,
3: if it wasn't for the war between the two, they wouldn't have been as great as they are today. We, wouldn't, opinion, have had, so. we wouldn't
4: have had we had what we had today. You're right, and uh it had to be a war. It didn't seem much like we got involved with guys with Dodgers or Chrysler or Plymouths. You know, there was a couple guys running around. There was a there was a a kid that used to drag race a '57 Plymouth Fury with the big the dual fours on it. Couldn't you get, Robert? Yeah, you, you could get, get a wedge yeah. motor or you could get the Hemi. And he run it in in uh, uh, not A stock, but, well, it could have been B stock or A stock. And it was a Fury, and he put cheater slicks on it. And that car he drove in the street every day. And that thing being the Golden Fury, you know, we just love that car. I mean, but he was one of the guys, that was our competition. But they were never a factor. It was always the Ford and Chevy guys, you know?
3: Well, the other thing kind of interesting is – and this is kind of maybe off the subject a little bit, but is the transmissions differences because Ford and Chevy promoted more the four speeds, and Chrysler promoted more the automatics. Automatic's the push buttons. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and, but even oh. the racing too, you know, oh, the drag yeah, racing, the racing, they were yeah. always pushing the torque flight mm-hmm. and less of the four speed cars. And, yeah. uh, except for Ronnie Sox, of course, and those. Right, guys. Ronnie Sox and the four speed. But, uh, well,
4: <clears throat> remember Don Garlison in '64, he had the red yeah. four door. Um, and and that was a push button. It was an automatic. And he got in and out of super stock into a stock with that car because of being a four door being a little heavier, and being an automatic. And and it won the Ronnie Socks, you know, with them and the four speeds, and the Grumpy Jenkins, of course, right, and the Sharlins. Yeah. Right.
3: Well, when I work, see, I went uh, from St. P. Junior College in uh, seventy, let's see, seventy one. I went to work for my brother at Turbo Action in Jacksonville, wow. and. um I was I started with the Fords as far as C4 C6 automatics. Mm-hmm. My brother was doing the, the glides and the Turbo mm-hmm. 350s and the 400s. And Chrysler sent out a uh, uh, an edict, so to speak, to B and M and everybody and, and us included, saying if you could fix our torque flight problems, they had a problem an inherent problem shifting from uh, second to third. As far as if you uh, a torque flight transmission, which is a first gear clutch pack, a band, and then third gear clutch pack. Shifting from the band to the clutch pack, they had an, uh, uh, an overlap problem, and they'd lose 800 RPM on the shift. So mm. if you had a 6,000 RPM red line, you had to shift at 5,100. So they said, if you can correct this problem for us, we'll give you a contract for building your, their racing units. And uh, actually, I worked on the development with that with my brother, and we we got the contract. So we were building all the torque flight racing units. Well, that,
4: that's neat because I know back then, like you said, the automatics weren't, the they weren't the stout part of the car you know we always work on rear ends and on yeah. engines and um i always ran four speeds and um the car that i bought off of dick landyke the 49 ford with the full house holes in it um, it was not a street car it was a trailer car only well i put it on the street at 16 years old and you'll talk about a kid it was out of school with a race car with an engine like that and it had a and M hydro. You had to manually shift it. It was one yeah. where you couldn't it wouldn't shift on its own. You had to manually shift it and it was off the column. And then they used to have the clutch hydros. It had clutch hydros, yeah. right. And um so that was that was in a little forty nine Ford I had and they called it the Pink Elephant and um it was no bumper in the front. had been nose and decked. It had Nerf bars in the back. The back panel had been rolled. And the reason why it was painted pink, and I never changed the color, was Dick Landike, his wife wouldn't let him go drag racing. And so she says, no, you ain't putting the money into it. You know, we're raising a family and all. And like I said, he was a head mechanic down at Walter and Pontiac. And so he used to keep it in the back back there and work on it at night. And so his wife says, no, you aren't going to be you know race. You're going to spend the money on that. The only way he got into racing was he says, Well, what would it take? She says, Do you paint that car pink? (laughs) So the story goes the pink elephant. And they caught it it right on the. He had McNally pinstriping on the back. Yeah, on Mac on Mac the remember yeah. McNally, and um, he had the pink elephant on it. And he got to go racing by painting a pink. He says, "I'll paint any color you want if I go <laughs> racing." And uh, so it, that was a story on that car. It was a lot of a lot of interest on the street with that car, because they said, you'll never put that car on the street. It's got too much horsepower. You kill yourself. I kept the big slicks under it, and then I had to groove the slicks because it was too. You know, on the street, if it got a little damp out, it was, but no traction. But, no traction. But I was a hot dog back then with that car on the street and about killed myself in it a few times. Now, so, Dom, yeah. earlier
0: I played a commercial for a 69 Mustang. Yeah. Cause that was one of the cars that you had. And then also, of course, Aquarius, cause you're an yeah, Aquarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. And the 69 Mustang was, you told me, was the uh, was car year Okay, yeah. so wow. tell us about your 69 Mustang. Yeah. That was actually the car that I met. And well, then that car actually wound up
3: looking like a Shelby. So tell us yeah. how that evolution well, uh, came about. Pretty much, I had bought the 65 convertible. I went to the junkyards. Because back in the day, and uh, we didn't buy new stuff a lot. You go to the junkyard and buy all the stuff off mm-hmm. the, the wrecks. And you get, get a lot of good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And so I pretty much equipped it with all the options that you could get in 65. And um, so it was pretty tricky car as far as I was concerned nice street car and everything and um, I'm driving along past Burt Smith Owls one day and here's a 69 Mach 1 sitting out front and uh, and that was in 71 so it was a relatively new car that got traded in and I went in there and only had 12,000 miles and uh, so I asked them you know what would they give me for trade on my car and I started out around $1,100 and I got them up to $1,400 so I went to my mom and my dad I said hey I'm thinking of trading my Mustang in. would you co-sign for a loan huh. well my dad of course went ballistic because it's like, you spend all this money in your car, and, you know, that's ridiculous. You know, you don't get rid of the car and all this other stuff. Well, my mom said, okay, I'll co-sign for you. And I ended up with a car. And, of course, oh, in later days, which I still have that car, I would go to my dad and say, Dad, still got the car. You know, <laughs> you, you didn't want me to buy it, but I still got it. You know, so, um, again, uh, I didn't grow up with a lot of money like a lot of us. You know, we, we worked hard for everything sure. we did. And uh, so I always liked the Shelbys. And uh, But I knew I couldn't buy one, so I started looking and seeing, you know, this looks very much like a Mach 1. You know, I think that's what they probably used. I was learning. And I started following Shelby's around town, and anytime anybody would park, I'd stop say, can I get under your car? I want to get some numbers off this and that. And I would get part numbers, then go to the dealership and find out what's it going to cost for these parts. And I would gradually start ordering the pieces. And I would... Because I couldn't afford all the pieces at one time. I would have it all in my closet, and then I would <laughs> – my wife used to go nuts because I would take all the stuff out and put it in the living room and assemble the car just you know, as much as I could just to, to look at it to keep the dream going. We know that part. <laughs> and um, so eventually I turned it in from into a GT350 is what it amounted wow. to. But I didn't want it to be – you have to understand, by 69, the Shelbys were more – cosmetic packages and less Mm -hmm. performance packages like they used to be not that they didn't still have some good performance but it just wasn't like the original Mm no-nonsense car so i decided well it can't be just like any other gt350 so i went to the junkyard i found a wrecked boss 351 i took the engine out of that uh because of my brother's connections and that i got me a doug nash five-speed at the time when there was no five speeds in mustangs in the 70s and um I put a Doug Nash in it, but they didn't make um, a Ford Doug Nash five speed. They were General Motors five speed. So I had to use, I had to make a new cross member for a Chevy mount. I had to adapt the speedometer cable assembly from a Chevy. I had to take a shifter from a Chevy, cut the handle off, and then re bolt a Ford shifter handle to it. And then I had to have the yoke change to a Chevrolet configuration and change the dry shaft. And, uh, and then I put a, uh, frame connectors, Did because I was more of a road racer and less of a drag racer. Oh. And so I, I spent a lot more time on the suspension and chassis. And, I, and the other thing was a Cleveland 351, the boss engines didn't have a lot of low end because they got massive valves and ports and everything, so they didn't have the airspeed. So I took a Corvette 575 Quadrajet, put an adapter on it, and bolted that to the intake of my 351, and that made it a lot quicker because you had the real small primaries with the quarter jet and the big secondaries. Mm-hmm. And so it gave me the low end and the top end. And uh, back at the time, Mustang Monthly came over with five editors and did an article on the wow. car because I had a five speed before they had five speeds. Mm-hmm. I had all this stuff in the car. And uh, now it sits in my garage. It's been there about 15 years and with the wow. engine apart because I never got back to <laughs> putting it back on the road again. Do you want to talk about some of the other cars you have in your collection too? Well, for a while there I had up to 20 cars. Um, Jeez. this is oh, before the kids were born, yeah. okay and um, we made a goal my wife and I to to uh, collect one of every year for there for a while. and actually, oh. our first car when we were dating was a 65 Mustang GT convertible, which oh. was one of my customers' cars who the uh, uh, the dad bought it for his daughter back in '65 from Grant Motor Company when they were down on ninth oh. um, for her graduation. and my dad used to work on it all the time so that was, uh, I, at the time, my wife, if I was dating her. I said, you want to go halves on this car? It was only $700 back then. And so she paid 350 and I paid 350 and I let her drive it to and from South Florida. So that was our first Mustang or together. Do you still have that one? Is that the yeah, one? Yeah, one? That's, that's one in the showroom. Okay. And um, so I had a Boss 302. I had a Cougar Eliminator. I had a 68 Corvette, 427 Roadster, an 81 okay. Corvette. Um, and how many of them you have left
4: now? I mean, so now I've collection. got a
3: '64 Sunbeam Tiger, I got a '67 GT500, '68 KR500, my '69 Mustang, um, and um, and and Rob wants to buy that one too. Does, it, does it? he? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, well, the funny part was my '69 that we talked about earlier. Uh, my license plate, I got a personalized tag said "pseudo." Pseudo stands for false or fake. <laughs> and, you know, because well, I didn't want a
0: real Shelby. It was a yeah. fake Shelby. Right. right. So it it was fake. So it.
3: I so I wanted to. To have it, and the, the sad part was when I'd go to the Shelby meets, everything on my car was factory Ford instead of reproduction because I bought oh. it back in the day when it was still available. Right. So I'd go to the shows, and I had more original parts on the car than the real Shelbys that were there that were restored. And uh, and people would come up, and they couldn't tell the difference. you know. Wow. I even had my ID plate; I added the 48 in the code, which meant that it was a Shelby on my serial number. Um, and uh, one year at a show, the guy was giving me a hard time because... He, he had talked to somebody and they told him my car was not real. So he wouldn't let me put it in with the Shelby's. And I said, mm. How do you know that? And he couldn't come up with the answer. But so next year, because I had the real GT350 that he wanted to buy, I took the serial number for that, stuck it on my car in anticipation of him coming up to me next year. So when he I did. I went and he says, oh, you can't go in with a real Chevy. I said, why not? He says, because it's not, it's not in the regist- registries, it's not real. I brought the registry with him. I said, well, here's the number, check it out.
2: <laughs> so he checks it
3: out and he goes, he was just like dumbfounded, like, uh, well, uh, you know, and he said, I guess you'll be able to put it in there then, you know, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't mad at him for not letting me go in before, yeah. but it's like, you know, prove to me what's not yeah. right about it when you, he couldn't, because there was nothing that was incorrect on the car. In fact,
0: that was something we were talking about once before and I'm sure you can concur with this too, John, as we were talking about this about, you know, judging cars and having a class for cars. Oh, yeah. So if you went to Chevrolet in mm-hmm. 1970. By the way, I do want to tell both of you guys that when I got my driver's license October 25th, 1972, wow. which was a Monday because my birthday was on the 23rd, I took my driver's test in a 1970 Camaro Oh. SS RS oh. with an automatic horseshoe. Oh. T- okay, so I, I I have to confess I, that was one of my I, got, I got a little Chevy. It's a good looking and it was an yeah, RS. And and it was an RS car too. But okay. anyway, one of the things we were talking about is um, and then in the last couple of minutes of the show, I want both of you guys to plug your businesses. Okay, so Billy, let me know when we got uh, like two minutes left, and that way they can both plug their businesses. But one of the things we were talking about is if you went and bought something brand new back then over the counter. And you put that on your car, even though it didn't come on your car from the factory, it still counts as a legit part and should be recognized when people are judged. So in other words, let's say for example, you you bought an El Camino in 1966, mm-hmm. and you added the hood because you could get the hood across the over the counter. You added the it was let's say it was just a 250 horse motor, but you made it a 275 horse because you added the factory cam, the mm-hmm. factory carburetor, the factory. Uh, intake and so on. And the same thing on the Mustang. You know, you went and put a factory aluminum 289 hypo intake on, 289, uh, you know, the Le Mans bolt, distributor distributor, all that stuff. So we all, can, or Dom and I at least, concur, and I'm sure you do too, mm-hmm. that if that was put on the car, you bought it, and it was an OEM part back then, that it should be acknowledged that that's an legit original part, and the judges had their business going, well, that didn't come on your car. Baloney. It was original, it was available, and you could buy it across the counter. Right.
4: Well, back then, as, as you know, there's a lot of factory parts that you could have a dealer put on. Exactly, a lot of the Yankos. I mean that. Yeah. I mean they didn't come as a Yanko. they came as a factory hot rod, and they sent it to Yanko. So it Chevrolet dealer could put on these options, and just like the replacement blocks, I knew guys that blew up their their 409s and 427s in the Chevrolets, and the and you know they have an Impala or a Biscayne, right. they blew them up, they put a replacement block in it. And it might be the next year, but as long as the dealer did it, 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 was, it was considered, like right. you said, with the hood, same thing, the shaker hood. I mean, it, it's if the dealer did it, it was okay. Yeah, as because long as it's not aftermarket. Options, right, aftermarket, as long as it was a GM part, GM part right. and it was done at a dealership. You could claim that that car was what, it, what you're it was a legit it to car. be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, like in your case right. with General Motors, with Chevrolet particularly, mm-hmm. if you blew up your original motor and you got a replacement block, it had a CE prefix on it, right. CE for counter-exchange. Exactly. And yeah. I've seen judges go, oh, well, that doesn't have the original motor. Hey, how many people have, and you can attest to this because yeah. you worked at yeah. the cars, and you you were there too because oh, yeah. you worked at the dealership. How many people bought cars, went out, blew mm-hmm. up the original they engines, yep. and came back in and under warranty, they were replaced with a counter exchange or right, a service yeah. replacement block. Yep. Well, when and I that's worked, acceptable. Yeah. yeah.
4: When I worked for Quinlan, it was in 69 uh, and you know all the big blocks that came in there and all. Well, some of those guys would take them out and race them, and they blew up the motors, and they would reorder a replacement block, bring it back in, and it would. And some of them were under warranty, some weren't, but they were never considered cars that were not correct. You know, they had to replace a motor of the same, uh, you know, the same original motor, horsepower, mm-hmm. same, but it was an aftermarket block. So, you're right. It, 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 you, Our, your car.
0: What about the guy that went out and bought, let's say, and I know I did this in my Ranchero. I had just a regular Q-Jet, but I went to uh, Carlisle Lincoln Mercury, Boss 351 heads. The block was the same on a CJ and a Boss. Right, right. So, I bought basically Boss 351 guts over the counter, had those installed. Yep. That was it. My car was an automatic car converted to a four-speed. Right. Factory Ford linkage, factory Ford shifter, factory Ford right. everything on the car. Um, There's nothing the judge could do. No, it's not I mean, you have the granted the build sheet in terms of originality, but I don't think that that some. Well, we're talking no, I, about basically
3: there should be a class. I think there should be a class. You got your politically correct car, and then I think you should have a politically correct plus.
4: Right, so or okay. a cl- The clone. So many Yankos. No, no, no. Not a clone. Oh, not a clone. Just, just a class oh. Oh, that you, you, class you, that you can add factory
3: parts. Factory parts. Provided right. those parts were produced prior to the prior car. Prior to the car. Right. Is what I'm, you know. Oh, I, I got it. In yeah. other words, you can't add fuel injection 10 no. years later, you know. I got it, yeah. So, for example,
0: like uh, I'm trying to think of somebody we know that uh, went out and bought a, because you could buy an LS7 Chevrolet uh-huh. across over the counter. Sure. Was not available in the car. But if you had an LS5 or an LS6, right. for example, and you wanted an LS7, which was an aluminum mm-hmm. 454 Chevrolet, it was a crate mm-hmm. motor, okay, you could go buy that, put that in your car, and if it was a 1970 Chevelle or El Camino, mm-hmm. it's, in my opinion, it's it's, it's correct for the car, because yeah. it was a factory dealer install, or right. factory over-the-counter option. How many minutes we got yet, Bill? Three minutes. All right, here, let's do this real quick. John, go ahead and plug your, in in a minute, plug your business real quick. Both cop cars online, and if you want to do the carpet thing, too. And then, Dom, I want you to be able to do the same thing. Both plug your businesses. So we got three minutes. Split them up. You guys can talk. Give us, if we have to run over the clock, just a hair, Billy, do that for me, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right, John, you got the floor. uh, Well,
4: the flooring business is not, of course, with everybody underwater and the foreclosures. Our our specialty was wholesale flooring to the trade and to the builder and to the contractor. And that's Woodhouse and, Flooring. And that's right? Woodhouse Flooring, and it's been in business since 1977. And of course, that business has gone to snot because of the, some of the government loans and all. But you're still so, selling but stuff. But we're still in the flooring business, okay. and it's been there for a long while. We did downsize. That's not my key business now. Okay. I the moved cop over car to the cop cars, and the cop cars online is. Uh, recognized all over the world. I mean, we sold cars everywhere. And um, that's the name of our internet site, Cop Cars Online, and a phone Classic number? Automobile Company, and it's 727-536-2677.
3: You got and a, it's you on got Belcher got a,
4: Road. Okay, you got any specials this week? Uh, we got specials every day.
0: Okay. Every day. Be sure to check out yeah. Cop Cars Online. Yeah. Dom, go
3: ahead. Knock it out. Well, yeah. we're uh, 40s inboard and auto connection, and uh, you can find us on info at 40sonline.com and our phone number is 727-544-6440. We're an inboard ski boat dealer and we specialize in American muscle cars as far as repair and restoration. And so, jump check us out. And you've got probably one of the most extensive
0: repair book or, or Well, I
3: got an extensive library of, of uh, books and uh, uh, articles, magazines, collect I have them all in organized in order of, in order of months and years in notebooks for anybody who wants to look up road tests for any car. Um and uh, shop manuals, all factory stuff, and lots of video films of commercials. General Motors, Ford, Chrysler. So okay, yeah. and and your whole thing is is that you keep the when you restore the or fix
0: these cars when you repair the cars you service them as close to original factory specs.
3: We build them any way they want. If they want to do resto mm-hmm. mods, that's one thing, or politically correct is another. But we do it any way they want to do the car and try to put them as you know as close to what they want as and especially in the political correct part, um, you know because we've been. Both of us here have been working on cars since they were new, yeah. okay. you know, and so we know what they were originally. All right, well, just about
0: out of time. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgia in Cars. I want to say thanks to John, thanks to Dom, and this is uh, Nostalgia Gradient Cars. Tune in next week. Meantime, everybody, drive careful, stay safe, love your family, and we'll see you next week. John, Dom, thanks. Right we're